guys love sport. I enjoy sport every now and then. I, there's some things I don't enjoy as watching as, as, other, as much as other sport. But, you know, I always, I always uh, like the end of the game or the end of the race or the end of whatever it is. And there's always a winner's circle, isn't there? If you've ever been to a Formula One Grand Prix, I haven't. But on television, you know, the driver drives into the winner's circle and, uh, you know, receives the trophy and all that happens. Um, uh, there's the Melbourne Cup horse race, not that I particularly follow that, but you know, I noticed they have a winner's circle and the horse and the jockey are there in the winner's circle. And uh, you know, uh, that's the place, I suppose, in the winner's circle of life where people receive the applause, they receive the slap on the back, uh, they receive the uh, cameras are flashing and it's all a great place to be. Uh, I've never been there too much, only very low level sporting activities. <laughs> Uh, but uh, for us to stand in the winner's circle, I suppose, of life, it means somehow that we've had a victory. Somehow something's gone right. It means that the plan that we have put into place has been, uh, it, it's been successful. It means uh, maybe for all of us, we got that promotion. Maybe for some of us, it might mean that we received that recognition. Some schedule has been met. Some victory has been achieved. Uh, some relationship has gone well. Uh, whatever it may be, uh, there's, in life, there's times when hopefully you've stood in, in a sense in that winner's circle of life and said, man, that was worth it. It's been successful. Who enjoys those times? Yeah, I do. And if I was to ask you how often would you like to be in the winner's circle, I think naturally you say every time, all the time. Wouldn't that be great? Just to have life to go well and as planned and everything succeed. And I think you know where this is leading because sometimes it doesn't happen that way, does it? Uh, life doesn't always go to plan and the truth is that sometimes I've discovered in my life uh, maybe all of you guys never have these things happen but in, certainly in my life sometimes I find it's not the winner's circle that I find myself but it's sometimes in the loser's circle I don't think there's such a thing but we'll just we'll just kind of create one tonight is that okay uh it's the place where you don't always get the accolades. It's the place where everything doesn't go as planned. It's the place where maybe you didn't, the expectation that you had and the, and the results that you were looking for in life didn't happen the way you wanted. Um, I, we all probably have been there sometime, have we? Yeah, we probably have, you know, and it's, and, and it's, it's not the most exciting place, but it's a reality with life. Uh, that life, as much as we win, that sometimes there's the place where we don't succeed as we thought we would. Um, in actual fact, it's, it's some, sometimes can be a place that can be uh, quite discouraging. But I'm interested, uh, there's a verse in the Bible that I've always been inspired by, and as I've drilled down and had a little bit of thought about it, I want to encourage us with, hey, thank you very much, Dave. That's fantastic. I need that. Um, and when I've just drilled down how to look at it, it, it says a lot about being, not just in the winner's circle, but actual fact, sometimes when we feel like we're in the loser's circle. And the verse goes like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. It's this wonderful verse, and it says, And he said to me, this is Paul speaking, and he said, and he's talking about Jesus who spoke to him. Paul, um, Jesus said to obviously Paul, 
uh, or, or somehow, some way, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, my, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, Paul says, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I'll, I'll take pleasure in affirmities, in reproaches, in the things that I need, in the persecutions that I experience, in the distresses that I feel sometimes, and all for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am, come on, when I'm weak, then I am strong. So we see, it's, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and in actual fact, uh, what these words, in, if you've got a Bible there, you'll find that that very line, the first part of verse 9 in the inverted commas, is actually the words of Jesus to Paul when he said one time in his life, my, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, and of course, for my strength is made perfect in the weakness you're experiencing or you're feeling in your life. And, and that's an encouraging word that he gives us. And we love, and probably we love that part of the verse. I love verse 9 because it talks about Christ doing something in my life, in my weakness. But for the second part of the verse, it makes you wonder a little bit because uh, it says, um, there's a certain, because it says, the power, for my power works best in your weakness. Not in your high moments. <laughs> Not in when everything's going so well and you feel like you're in the winner's circle, but actual fact, when sometimes you feel like you're just in that point of you lose in the loser's circle. And so it's really saying there's a certain kind of power that only gets developed in your life and in your mind when you're standing uh, right being not in the middle of the winner's circle, but in sometimes in the sense when you could best describe life as lo- losing. It's the power that he wants to develop when you're right there at that time when you feel the weakest. It's that that power, he, it says, it only gets developed in that time uh, when you're feeling the affirmities and the needs of life and the struggles of life. And I, far from being a, 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 a verse that is uh, maybe a sense of, oh, that's not a good verse. It's, it's an encouraging verse, an inc- incredible verse. Because it's saying, I actually, he takes, Paul actually says, I take pleasure in these times. Because in my weakness, I can find strength. And there's a certain kind of strength, there's a certain kind of internal fortitude that comes into my life, that gets developed, character, whatever you want to call it, gets developed in the times that I find that I'm weakest. And this power, Paul says, it comes from who? In verse 9, it says it comes from Jesus Christ. It, it literally comes from him. That's the power of Christ. He says that may rest on me. I, uh, Paul had got to the point where I actually um, think he took delight in having tough times. Um, that seems a bit weird, doesn't it? I don't think I've ever taken delight in taking having tough times. But because he says the word uh, gladly. Um, uh, I gladly will rather boast of my affirmies. Um, you know, uh, that, that's a bit weird. And he says, I take pleasure <laughs> in my problems. And he says, I understand it's going to be an opportunity. And what he's saying is it's going to be an opportunity, really, in what I'm facing for Christ to be releasing his power in my life. 
And I want to just say to you tonight that maybe even this night or this past week or this past year, maybe 2015, there's been just some incredible struggles. There's been some times when you just haven't stood in the winner's circle at all. It feels exactly the opposite. And, and uh, I want to tell you there's an opportunity for something to be developed in your life. And if we would follow the, 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 the line of Scripture, you'll see that over and over again it's said. James says, you know, in all joy, count it all joy when you fall into various what? Trials and struggles. Far out. And, uh, you know, and Paul, as I said this morning, numerous times he says, give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, that's the last thing I want to do, <laughs> to be honest sometimes. And if you're really honest... Uh, you're probably the same as me, but there's there's this. We've got to if we've got to look at this verse, you've got to take it and understand it. That there are times there's only in the certain times of life when you feel weakest, there's an opportunity for God to be strongest. If we had to read that truth, and I pray that you'd come to an understanding of that tonight. Um, Paul really hasn't got a screw loose. Even when we read that, we think, my goodness, you take pleasure in your problems. Paul, what's wrong with you? But the truth is, he's found a secret that in his weakness, there can, can, can come an incredible strength. And we're going to talk about that tonight. I believe that being in the loser's circle has some incredible lessons for us, that Paul's words are relevant for us today, and I want to tell you why. So let's, let's go for it. Here, here goes. I want to tell you some things tonight of why I believe in, being in the loser's circle has an incredible benefit, if you're willing to submit unto it. And the first thing I discovered in the losers that I've discovered personally is that I've discovered in some of my lowest times in life, some of those struggles, some of those question times of saying, why God or what's happening? I've discovered the certainty of our God. I've discovered the certainty. Um, and if we look at this verse, please note the Lord says, my grace, my strength. Uh, it's all about what he could do, his strength, not my, not my strength, it's his strength, not my ability to get my, myself through, it's his ability in me to get me through. That's a big difference, isn't it? Big difference. And I've discovered in these times how certain our God is, how strong our God is. I want to tell you, he's unmovable, he's unshakable, the qualities of God and his character, he, he is just unflappable. Is that a word? He just, doesn't get, he just doesn't get emotionally caught up. He doesn't budge. He is solid. He is strong. In Jeremiah 10.10, it says, God is the everlasting king. Everlasting. Men and women in this world have risen and fallen. Uh, leaders, whether they've been good or bad, the Adolf Hitlers, the Winston Churchills, the, all the great men and women of this world, uh, the, the Margaret Thatchers, whoever they are, have risen, they have, they've uh, conquered but they've died. Our king, he was, still is, and will continue to be. Which is exciting, isn't it? Isaiah 48, 12 says, he's, I, he says, I am the first and also I am the last. That's good news. So if God was there at the beginning, he's going to be there at the end. If he was there at the beginning of your life when you were conceived, he's going to be there when you breathe your last breath. And when you trust in him, you can be assured of that. That's our certainty of our God. In the midst of our struggles, I want to tell you that little principle. See, we know it tonight, but when you're in a struggle, it can become so illuminated to us, and I pray it will be, that, oh God, you are great still. If we just would look for him in the midst of it. See, 
you know, I've discovered that, you know, God is the first and he's going to be the last. The devil has a beginning and he has an end. God is the beginning and the end, which is good news, isn't it? Um, Malachi 3.6 says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. Aren't we glad about that? Because I am always changing for good. But sometimes what happens is circumstances want to just get me uh, ruffled or, and I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do? And, and worry or concern or pressures or stress or something wants to come along. And uh, I find that uh, I need something uh, solid to attach myself to. And often God, and I'm glad we have a God that does not change. You know, if it doesn't change with the weather. If it's raining, he's not sad. You know? <laughs> If it's sunny, you know, he's, he's, he's still, it's all good. He does not grow older. Aren't you glad about that? Um, our God does not gain new power or lose that he once had. He's just got it all the time. Uh, he cannot change for the better because he is the better. That's our God. He, can't, he can never increase or decrease because he doesn't need to. I always need to increase. <laughs> There's always stuff I need to get better at. He is not subject to further development. Praise God. You know, God's not subject to further development, you know. We'll never say to God, well, God, you better just get your act together on that and work that one out. I can see you haven't quite got that together. <laughs> you can't do that with God. He's got it together. He is the altogether God. God is so stable when we can be so unstable. When our emotions are all over the place, when our thoughts are all over the place, when our feelings are all over the place, that's when His strength is stability for our soul and for our emotions and lives. And you know, in the midst of our losing moment in life, if we would just take the moment to see what strength he has, I tell you, he will literally highlight his ability in the midst of our weakness. It's because we haven't got anything else sometimes to hang on to. And sometimes I think that God allows that. He doesn't do that to us, but he allows it so that we will look up and we will see the incredible God that we serve. His certainty. I, when I was at primary school many, many years ago, they, they used to have school bells. Who remembers school bells? The old school bell, you know? Not an electronic sound that sounds like an air raid shelter alarm or, or anything like that. Not that they have them necessarily, but, you know, it, it's not some electronically uh, generated sound. Uh, but it used to be a school bell. And the school bell... Um, someone would ring it, and uh, in some places where I went to school, it would be suspended, quite a big school bell, about that big, it would be suspended from a rope. And, and someone's job was to come along and whack that thing as hard as they could when it was time for lunch or when it was time for recess or break or, or when it was time to go into class. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that when you whack that bell, I've discovered, it, the, the bell vibrates and it resonates. Uh, with a certain frequency. Everybody understand that? And, uh, and you continue to whack it and the louder it'll get. And then you leave it alone and it'll slowly die down. Now, the interesting thing is, is that they say that if you take another bell and place it alongside the original bell, exactly the same shape and basically the same weight and the same look, and, and just leave it a, a distance away that they don't touch each other. But quite literally, if you hit one bell and continue to hit it and just leave it for a while, the resonating frequency from this bell will actually affect the 
bell, that it, without touching the second bell, it'll actually affect the second bell. And the, the, what, the frequency waves that we don't see pass between the two will actually affect the bell. So that at one stage, as this bell comes down in frequency, this one will rise up. And at some point there, an equilibrium will be reached. And they'll both resonate at the same frequency. Do you, can you understand that picture? hope it wasn't too technical. <laughs> But the point I want to make is one affects the other without the other being touched. And I want to say that when you, in your weakness, draw near to an incredible God and start to see His, allow His Holy Spirit life to be injected in what you're facing, I want to tell you, you start to resonate with the same frequency that He's on and you start to see what you're facing differently and you start to approach it differently and you start to even come out of that which you think is so demoralizing and so damaging and so final and God will bring you up because we can resonate when we... Even as we worship tonight, we start to resonate with how he, he wants us. As His Holy Spirit, we can't see it, but He's continually bombarding us with His presence, touching our lives, and we just uh, start to get on the same wavelength as our God. I think that's what happens. Our God is a certainty in the midst of our weaknesses. We can resonate the same as our Heavenly Father. I think that's a good thing, a great thing. The thing that I've also discovered, the second thing I've discovered about the loser's circle, that when you go through something that is quite uh, a struggle, you can clarify sometimes or you can see clearly, ultimately, what's the most important things in life. Isn't that true? And you, when you're down and you're, and you're looking up and you start to see, well, this is the most important thing in life. There's some things that are just not that important that I've been worrying about, you know. You know, I remember sometimes I, 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 we had a, I got a new car and uh, not long after I got it, I was driving, well I wasn't, Michelle was driving past a park in Gladstone and the city council had a lawnmower happening and, and a big rock came and hit right between the two side windows in that panel there. And you've got to be thankful it didn't hit the glass, it would have smashed it, but it just dented it and, and you know, I thought, this, how dare that happens? God, didn't you know this was brand new? But you know, things happen, don't they? And you just feel like far out. And you've got all the complaints that you want to say. And I suppose I should have went to the council and said, hey, would you pay for it? I didn't. Maybe I can come and talk to you, Ben. I know you're the Gladstone City, but it's probably a bit late for that. It doesn't matter. Tip commission, yeah. yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that, uh, you know, it, it, it's... And then after a while... I just started, you know, after I'd kind of calmed down, maybe after a day or two. I, I mean, I didn't get too emotional about it, but I just was disappointed. You know, you want to keep things new. But, you know, of this world, it's temporary, isn't it? Nothing ever stays new in this world. There's only one thing that it can ever get better, and that's you. Not your body, because it's falling apart, but that's okay. <laughs> it's allowed to fall apart. Yeah, speak for yourself, you say, yeah. But, you know, the truth is your soul can be renewed day by day. And then when you, when you, when you go through these times that you just feel like nothing's happening right, it's a, it, it sometimes is a time to reflect on what is really important in life. Fair income, is it really a little dent in a car? Nah, it's not that important at the end. We'll sell it, get another one maybe one day, I don't know. What's the use? It's still driving. You really start to get focused on what is really important uh, in those times. 
And I talk to people going through tough times, and when they start to come out the other side, they often have different values than when they went into it. And, and, and they come away with a lot, of, a lot of times a very clear perspective on what is more, most important about life. And, and often it can be, well, God's uh, that relationship with God, my relationship with my family, um, my relationship with my kids, uh, my relationship, you know, whatever it may be, or the things that are really important, the things that can be go to heaven or the things that are eternal, they're important. And sometimes all the things that we own are not that important, are they? They're important in the sense that we've got to use them uh, and we've got to keep them running like cars. And we, got to, we don't want to live in a house that's a total wreck. But, you know, in the end, you know, some things are just that not as important. And in the midst of a struggle, when you're looking up and you're looking for answers, I tell you, you start to clarify and let yourself clarify what really is of value and importance in your life. Because it can refocus you and help you to start to put priority on the things that are of value that maybe you haven't been giving priority to when we stand. Does that make sense? When we stand in the winner's circle, our loser's circle. Um, you know, I... One of the things that I find clarity, and I, and I kick myself, but I come back to this verse sometimes and I remember again, is just a little verse in James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And, and it just submit to God, resist the devil and he'll flee. And then in verse 8 it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I think, oh God, you know. Uh, sometimes it's not, that the, um, it's not that the problem is because of what God is doing to me because I haven't been spending time with him. No. It's just that the problem sometimes helps me to reprioritize and realize, God, I really have neglected you. I've just kind of put you on the outer for a minute. I just need to draw near to you again. And it's interesting. It says, notice it says, draw near. Who needs to draw near first? Us. Because often we think, well, God, where are you? Have you walked away? No, God's right there. It's just that me, walk, I walk away. We walk away, don't we? Uh, we have to see clearly that he's waiting for you to submit your life to him so he can bring life into that situation you're facing. He can bring some victories into that loss. But he's waiting for you to submit. He's just waiting for you to come back to him. He's waiting for you to give over. You know, there's a, a, a guy called Frank Sinatra. He used to be a wonderful singer and a famous actor. Some of us might remember some of his great movies and uh, things and he sang a song i did it my way who remembers that one no one in the front row remembers that no it's okay you're all under 30 <laughs> i did it my way and it was a song that was applauded all over the world and to be honest it it doesn't not really express truth uh, because doing things your way can lead to disaster I'm not saying that your way isn't good. It's just that if you continually live, um, if you continually live unsurrendered in your life to our incredible sovereign God, you'll find that sometime in your life you'll come unstuck and you'll need to do it His way and not just our way. It's good when our way becomes His way because that's the right way. And so Frank's song gets a big zero tonight. <laughs> you can't do it. All your way. It's only when our way is His way. But when we submit and surrender our lives to our Heavenly Father, the, the, the disappointments and the emotions and the shame and the guilt of our life uh, becomes not um, something that's destructive, but it becomes a shining diamond in our life because God's grace is placed upon it. 
and it's, His grace is sufficient and His strength is, is there in waiting for us to partake in. When we submit all the issues to Him, we submit our life. Um, God is of ultimate importance in you coming through what you're going through. And it takes us to draw near to Him, continually giving over. And what's really happening sometimes in the loser's circle is that our, where our security lays is being tested. What are we secure in? Are we secure in just the things we own? Or are we secure in our position, uh, the title we have? You know, uh, whatever it may be, uh, you know, you might be manager or teacher or even pastor. Is that what we're secure in, a position? No. Are you secure just in yourself? I pray not. Uh, but if you would just discover, it's the times when you're in the loser's circle that you can discover where your real security lays. And the Bible says some 63 times, in Him we live, in, not those exact words, but in Him we need to live and move and have our being. In Christ. In Christ, all the time as you read throughout the New Testament. In Christ. In Christ. And I think sometimes we forget that and we go about our day and kind of leave Him on the outer and we need to include Him. Um, I am glad uh, I could stand in the loser's loser's circle sometimes on a weekly basis. You know, oh, that didn't go well, did it? Oh, you didn't handle that too good. But I found that if I continue to lean upon my stuff that's temporary and my selfishness that's temporary, then, it, and the, then the pressure it gets multiplied. But when my dependence becomes on Christ, I start, to slide, I start to slide into a hopefulness and not a hopelessness when I put him first. Hope comes back and I start to see my way sometimes through the very dark time that we can find ourselves. You know, Paul himself who wrote this, he says some interesting things. You know, Paul says about himself in Acts 26, he says, from his youth, he was part of a very strict sect called the Pharisees. He says he was in, had incredible knowledge. He was beyond his years in ability and intellect. Uh, he was zealous. He was confident. Uh, he had the traditions of his father. He was passionate about. He was a learned man. He was an intelligent young man. He was above everybody else in his class. He was the guy who used to get 10 out of 10. He was the ducks of the class as far as Pharisees come. But it's interesting because he then says in Galatians 1.14, he says this great speech, sorry, in Philippians 3, he actually says it. He says, I count all the things that I have in life, and all those temporary things like, and he puts it really rudely. He says, it's like done. We won't use the Aussie slang of that word, but it's like dung, he said. In other words, it's like donkey manure. It's like goat manure, camel, whatever manure you want to think of. Just imagine, he's saying, all those things that I found are just, they're helpful for me, but they're temporary compared to knowing Christ. And all those things are like dung compared. You know, have you ever seen... All, all the things of temporary in life, in your life, just like dung? What's dung like? Well, it stinks. And you know what? When we put our trust in it, I think when we worship what we own, I think in God's nostrils, all that we worship, these temporary things, is just stinks in His nostrils. Because He said, what, what really is a pleasant smell to God in His nostrils is our submission and worship of Him. It's like our praises are like what? Sweet, yeah, fragrance unto him. But when we worship the stuff that's temporary and, and we get it all, you know, start to put that first, it just stinks. 
See, all that stuff is good. Praise God, you've got a car. Praise God, you've got a refrigerator. If you've got a refrigerator, you're in the top, you're in the top, um, you know, you're, the, you're in the top 5% of the world's population. Did you know that? We're pretty well off in Australia, aren't we? But it's all temporary. So put it in its right place. Uh, we start to get a clear perspective. Um, don't make this world's gains your focus. Make Christ. Um, Paul's conclusion, he says, you know, when I put everything in the right perspective, or when I face my weakest points, or, or when I've got the weakest times, he said, then I can know Christ's strength, and that's the better focus. That's the thing I need to focus on, is God's strength in me, which is incredible. Here's the last thing tonight that I am encouraged by. In the loser's circle, I have often found that I need to see that the storms of life are not an option. Um, uh, sorry, the st- I'll say that again. See that storms are not an option, but coming through is. Okay? You're going to face the loser's circle. You're going to face the storm. And it's not an option, but coming through is an option that God gives us. And I know God's heart already. He wants the, you to come through every storm, every situation. Th- there's a story that's described in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus had spoken and ministered to the multitude. He's on the, he's on the uh, shore of Lake Galilee. And he says to the disciples, hey, come on, guys, let's jump in the boat. And let's go for a ride across. We're going to go to the other side. So he says, let's cross over to the other side. He states, of course, where he's going. And he hops in the boat. He falls asleep. He's exhausted. Remember, Jesus was not just totally God. He was totally man as well. So he had emotions and, and felt things. And he got tired. And so he jumps in the back of the boat. He has a pillow. <laughs> That's the Bible says he has a pillow, he falls asleep on the pillow and there comes of course a storm and the storm gets so bad that the waves are breaking over the bow, the, the boat is actually filling with water. The disciples are getting concerned, they're pe- having a panic attack uh, and uh, they're trying to bail the boat out and they finally turn to Jesus and wake him up and say, don't you care about us? Have you ever done that to God? God, don't you care? I just want you to know it's not a bad question to ask God. Because he'll give you a straight answer. One Peter says, yes. He says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. He does care. But Jesus doesn't answer the question this night because he, he needed to act, action. And, and he gets up and he, re, and he says, you know, he says something like, um, uh, where is it? He rebuked the sea and the wind and the waves and it, straight away it was calm. And then he turns to them and says, why are you fearful? Uh, how is it you have no faith? And uh, that was enough rebuke. He didn't, he didn't answer the question. He just actioned it. And he, of course, dealt with the problem. And then he turned to them and started to help them see. Come on. And, of course, they then become fearful of him in the right way. They reverenced him. And it says they, they, become, uh, they were amazed and said, Who is this person that even the wind and the waves obey him? And I'd just like to say we all have, uh, we live near the sea. And if you haven't been out in the boat, um, uh, go for a ride. Because we've all got our boating stories, or maybe some of us haven't, some of us have. I've got a lot of boating stories. I won't tell you all of those boating stories. I've had some incredible boating stories. But the disciples were having one of those boating stories that night. And um, Jesus clearly states that even before the storm hits, even before they, the, the disciples feel like they're in the loser circle of life, you know, how does this happen? You're with the Son of God and you get a storm. He's in your boat with you and you still have a storm. Who knows that that happens in life. You're walking with Christ and still you have some problems. 
And so that's what happens. But we've got to remember what Jesus said when he was on the other side of the lake. He says, we're going over. Okay, we're going over. He proclaimed and declared exactly where he was going before they got there. And no matter what, because God says to us, this is where we're going. And he says to you, this is where I'm taking you. But between here and where he wants to take you, you might face some struggles. Why? Because he loves you too much sometimes to leave you as you are. He wants to build some character in our life, I think. And, uh, you know, the storm arises and he states the plan for their lives. He says, we're going over. And the storm wasn't to make them drown. The storm wasn't to per- for them to perish. Uh, and the storm is not for you to perish. And it's not for you to drown. But uh, a big part of standing in the loser's circle is to remember what God has already said to you. And if, you've, and if you have heard, you're going over. Be assured you're going over. Amen. Be assured of that. And some of you may be here tonight. Maybe that is the one thing you need to hang on to. Uh, you're going over. Because when you have Jesus in the boat and uh, you come and just submit to him and make him a part of your life, I tell you what, you, you can't help but going over. Because he says in your weakness, he will, ins- he will what? Give you strength. He'll give you strength. Uh, and he does care. And we're not going to perish. And I think that Jesus is sometimes stays asleep in our lives till we come along and wake him up and ask him the question, hey, would you help me? I think he waits for us to draw near to him, doesn't he? Because the thing is, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes we think God automatically is going to come to our rescue every time. Why don't you just spend some time asking him? Why don't you engage? He wants to, but he won't. He won't, uh, he won't uh, push or force himself on you. Can I just have the musos tonight to come? So tonight maybe uh, the reality is, is that you're feeling, maybe even tonight you're just feeling like, oh, I know what you're saying. I'm feeling like I'm in some of those circles that are just not winning. There's no victories. I'm losing a little bit. Uh, well, I want to say God gives you a promise tonight and he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect. There's, and he's saying, my, there's times that you can only get hold of this strength, I feel. And it's when you're feeling weak and when you're feeling like life isn't going so well. That's the time when I actually want to in, come into your life and give you this strength. It's available to you at those particular times. And the Lord would just say to you tonight, that's exactly what he wants to do. He just wants to reassure you that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you to face that, 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 that struggle, that situation, that circumstance, that broken relationship that you want to see renewed. Um, his grace is sufficient for you to bring you through that financial hardship that maybe you're facing. His grace is sufficient for you um, when you're all just feeling the sense of, of some element of depression just wants to invade your life. His grace is sufficient. When you don't know what the answer is going to happen in the future, you're really not quite sure what's going to happen in your day tomorrow because you're not quite, because it hasn't been all that good sometimes in your workplace or whatever it may be. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you. He can be there. And in your weakness, he wants you to know. Now, for some of us, we've been Christians a long, long time. 
And I just would, my prayer would be that that thought that His grace is sufficient and His strength is for your weakness just wouldn't become something you say, yeah, I know that. Great, got it, I'm fine. Because I think sometimes we've got to draw near afresh to Him, church. I think sometimes we've got to get out of our little, it's okay, and say, Father, I just need you afresh. I wonder if we can stand tonight and let's be totally honest with our God and say, Father, here I am tonight. Look, I just want to say, if you want to, we're just going to 